Amen. Well, today is August 13th, 2017. Um, the title of today's sermon is Turn Your Ear. Turn Your Ear. Um, I want to start off today, and we're going to have a video from, uh, from some of the, our disciples that are there in Turkey. I want you to watch this video. So while you're getting your Bibles ready, while you're getting your notebooks ready, uh, turn your attention towards our screens here for just a few minutes. Hello, Churches of the One Association. Right now, we're sitting in Gaziantep. The call to prayer is going off, but the gospel is breaking out all around us. This is a daily thing for them. This is the oppression that's over the land and over the people, and it happens five times a day, every day, uh, and it never ends. But with the gospel, in the name of Jesus, it will end. We wanted to give you a little update on where we've been and what we've, we've seen happen in the cities that we've gone to. Our first stop was Izmir, where we met with Toprak and his father. Uh, over dinner, we had a chance to discuss the gospel, uh, where they were, and uh, introduced them into who Jesus was and what his life looked like, and why we live our lives the way uh, that we do. From there, we traveled southeast to Antalya, where we found young men uh, in a coffee shop who were hungering for truth but didn't know where to find it, and they have... Uh, logically remove themselves from Islam because they they don't want to be a part of that life and what it produces. From Antalya, we travel to the city of Konya, which is biblical Iconium. In Konya, we stayed in a hotel where we met a young man who was an aspiring imam. And after a night of uh, working with no sleep, he met with us in the morning to discuss the Quran and the Bible and what was truth. And over that conversation, we went back and forth with uh, what the Bible taught and what was true and what his perception uh, was of Christians. And uh, through lots of false facts and uh, confusion, he began to see a little bit of who Jesus truly was. Uh, he actually... Uh, even bought us breakfast. He was very hospitable uh, and very bold to sit with us. But in the name of Jesus, as he studies the Quran and studies the Bible, he will find out what the true word of God says and what is true. Uh, from Konya, we went to uh, Tarsus, uh, the birthplace of the Apostle Paul, where we met a man named Salatin. And he, uh, he was just intrigued by us. Uh, we became instant friends. He was uh, drawn to us, and it opened up the door for us to share the gospel. Uh, from that experience, we, we traveled to uh, Biblical Antioch, present-day Antakya, where we picked up Elder Baj. And now that the team is complete, we have traveled to Gaziantep. So we're standing in Gaziantep now. Duran's Hotel. Duran is over here attending to some customers of his, but on the last trip, we saw something spark inside of him. He felt the presence of God when we worshipped, and felt a joy that was unique to him that he did not experience in other settings. As we're traveling throughout the One Association churches, we're continually praying, keeping our eyes peeled, and living the way of life that we've been taught and being bold about it. Everywhere we go, we're finding men of peace, new converts, and this is what the gospel is about. It's not unique to Turkey or anywhere else. 
this is how the gospel advances, and we're thankful for the prayer back home that is enabling these things to happen. Keep pressing in. God will meet your cry, and he will give you victory. We're watching it. When we uh, reconvened with Duran after a few months, just a few minutes ago, one of his first questions to us was, have you been praying for me? And that is a question that just rung in our ears and in our hearts. His heart is soft to the gospel. The Lord is doing some amazing things here in Gaziantep. As we're meditating on Hebrews chapter 5, especially verse 7, it says that Jesus offered up prayers and petitions to the one who could save him from death. We know that you guys are, are prayer warriors, that you're uh, offering up petitions to the Lord. But there's a difference between petitioning God and an active prayer life where you are turning your ear to the heavens and asking Him what He requires of you. So we leave you with the question. Today, this morning, how is your prayer life, churches? How are you doing with turning a pure-hearted ear to the Lord and asking Him to guide you? Thank you so much for your prayers. We're, we're headed to Haran after Gaziantep to see if the Lord might speak to us there. Please keep us in your prayers. We love you all tremendously. Amen. Amen. There's Baj's finger in the, in the picture. Love you, Baj. All right. What, what, a, what a great thing. I, I want to show you, we, um, Joy, we're going to do a few slides now. I just want to allow you guys to kind of uh, appreciate what's going on. Here is a Google map of their travel so far. I couldn't, I didn't get Istanbul on there, but obviously they landed in Istanbul, drove about eight hours to Izmir. Uh, then they traveled along, and you heard that as he went through, he went to down to Antalya, down here on the bay, uh, this point right here, and that's where they met the man in the coffee shop, and they were beginning to speak to him. They went up to Konya, um, and they were there. That's the, that's the imam the, that was beginning to speak with him. That was that interaction there. They traveled on to Tarsus, where you have uh, the birthplace of Paul where they also met that other young man that was, that was uh, moved by the Lord. They went down to Antakya, which is Antioch. Um, I don't know if you guys can see, we're now in the bottom right quarter of the screen. You see Aleppo right there, where just a few months ago where so much bombing was going on, uh, so many activities are there. This is less than 25 miles, just to give you a perspective, between Antakya and Aleppo, somewhere around 25 to 30 miles there. They are now in Gaziantep. Gaziantep, Kalis, Antakya. This is where the team was on their first trip to Turkey. So we're just kind of giving you the, the lay of the land. And then they're going to head towards all the way to the right of your screen. That right uh, pen that's dropped there is Haran. Uh, I want to show you that a little bit better in the next picture. This is the whole country of Turkey. Uh, I don't know if you can see that red pen down in the, about the middle, middle uh, right here. Down near the bottom that's just, wet, just east of Gaziantep. This is where they're heading, uh, what will be for them, I guess, today, as they, as they transition into this next day for them. They're going to be moving into Haran. Uh, one more picture here. It's a little bit more zoomed in. I wanted to show you, I wanted to put some context. I have to be honest with you. Um, before our team started traveling to Turkey, my geography in this region of the world was pretty poor. I didn't have any idea of, of where things were, of the seven churches of Revelation all being in the nation of Turkey. Uh, now I'm reading everything I can. I'm studying everything I can. So I want you to be kind of involved in this where, where we're zoomed in on, on Antakya down in the bottom left landmass. 
Gaziantep. Due south of Gaziantep is Kalis. These Gaziantep and Kalis are where they got, uh, our team got detained. Pastor Eric was going before city magistrates and governors of the regions uh, by himself in rooms to see if they were allowed to stay or not. Uh, you remember some videos from the first trip where Peyton is playing a guitar like a rock star in an office. While he's doing that, Eric is in there uh, by himself trying to see if they can uh, make it out of the country. I mean, this is, this is what's going on as our team is there. Uh, and so now you'll see they're going to the city of Haran. I want to talk to you just for a second about Haran as we're getting into. This is going to absolutely relate to what we're talking about today. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11, and we're going to start in verse 26. Genesis eleven twenty six. You heard the call. You heard the, uh, the cry of our men that we need prayer from you guys if you've committed and if you signed up for prayer. Please be faithful at that. Please be, what you hear is the azan going off, right? If you've ever been to a primarily Muslim country, if you've ever been anywhere like this, you understand the, the piercing sound that's there. The overarching uh, sound that is reminding you of where you are. The azan that goes off, you heard it as Pastor Eric was given uh, his welcome to us this morning. You heard it at the beginning of this uh, segment with our guys who was there. They're just talking, they're going on, and you can hear what you hear is the oppression. They want to remind you constantly that this is where you're in a land where, where Islam reigns. Where Allah is supposed to be the highest of all. And they remind you of that five times a day in the most loud, uh, the, the most obtrusive way possible. That wherever you are, you're going to remember this. In, in Genesis 11 verse 26, we see this. It says, after Terah had lived 70 years. Everybody say 70 years. He became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Now, in this passage of Scripture, we're going to talk about a person named Haran, and we're also going to talk about the city named Haran, which is where our team will be going in the next few hours. This is the same exact place all the way back that we're seeing in Genesis 11. Uh, some people, it's, some Bible scholars think that it was possible that Nimrod started the city of Haran. So we're, we're, we're going back to ancient kind of a city that our team is now going to be a part of and going to uh, within the next few hours. Verse 27, this is the account of Terah. Terah became the father of Abraham, uh, I'm sorry, of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans, in the land of his birth. Abraham and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was barren. She had no children. So this is just laying some groundwork for us. Verse 31, Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, and the wife of his son, uh, I'm sorry, the wife of his son Abram, and together, if I say together, yeah. they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. Ur of the Chaldeans, Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. This is the city that our team is visiting tomorrow. Uh, I want you to see, if you'll put up the next slide for me. I, I want to show you, as it's saying they're leaving Ur of the Chaldees, we see it's actually in South Iraq. Ur of the Chaldees in South Iraq. Uh, this is obviously a driving map, 
right? <laughs> this is not necessary. I'm not trying to pronounce that this is the exact path that they took, but it gives you an idea because of desert, because of land masses and mountains and different things. This is likely the path that most Bible scholars think that they took. So they start off in southern Iraq, all the way up north to Haran. You see where the little car is? It says 29 hours. If you're going to drive this entire route, it is almost 2,200 kilometers. It is, that means that's about, what is that, about 1,400 miles. So the path that these people are taking goes from Ur. We're going to get to Canaan. We're going to get to the promised land over here, but how are you going to go? They went northwest for about 1,000 kilometers to Haran, maybe 1,200 kilometers to Haran, uh, 600 or 700 miles. That's like walking, taking your kids, your livestock, your animals, your belongings, and walking from here to St. Louis. Okay? So the directions that we're talking about are an incredible distance. So they went all the way up to Haran. Let's look at uh, chapter 12 and verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse you. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left, as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. 75. Everybody say 75. 75. I guess that's as good a time to any as just to start doing exactly what the Lord tells you to do, right? The direction that he was given was, you need to go to where God's people are. But prior to that, his father and his family had gone 700 miles approximately to get from where they were in Ur to Haran. Um, I want to tell you a few other things about Haran. It's going to fit with not only our sermon, but it should help you to pray. I want you to understand contextually what our team is asking you to pray for. That Haran is a place where uh, Ur was a primary seat of worship for a god they called Sin. It's a Babylonian god named S-I-N, Sin. That was a moon god that they worshipped in Babylon. A moon god that they worshipped in Babylon, there in Iraq. What happened was the next uh, most populous city for idol worship of this same moon god is Haran. And actually they had a giant temple there in Haran that many think was probably maybe in, in the uh, ancient world was at least as popular as Ur or maybe even more popular of a temple than it was in Ur. So what we're talking about is, uh, come on guys, we're talking about Babylonian moon god that they called Sin that we would now call Allah. A seat of power. Uh, it, is, it is believed that, that Abraham's father, Terah, was possibly an idol maker. He was an, uh, a person who made his living by making idols for other people. So it made sense that he went from one place of idol worship to another. It was good for business. Didn't have to, didn't have to close up shop. Could keep going on these things. So as he's there... Abram then leaves and goes another 600 miles down into the Canaan land. So when our team is saying, hey, we are going to Haran tomorrow. Uh, right now, it's a small village. It's a small town. There's not much going on. Just a few folks of Arab descent that live in that area. But strategically, and for the last oh, a couple of thousand years, Haran has been a very important city. As a matter of fact, early in the Islam uh, movement in the 600s and 700s, Haran was actually their seat, the capital, 
of one of the Islamic caliphs that had come through. The, the region that Islam was taking over in that time, about 700 AD, was from Spain down into, into Central Asia. And the seat, the capital, was Haram. In case you're not getting it, what I want you to do is understand that though now it looks like a small little uh, no, nothing town of just a few thousand people, historically speaking, spiritually speaking, what they're doing is going from Gaziantep and Khalis, where they killed 1.5 million Christians about 100 years ago, into a town that was the seat of many, many things in the ancient world. Would you commit to pray for our team rightly? Would you commit to understanding that we're not, just going from, we're not just going from Houston to St. Louis? That's one kind of a trip. What we're doing is we're actually having our disciples, having our pastors and our elders there to go right into the heart of what we think is where, uh, where the end times, a lot of things about the end time prophecy, a lot of things that go all the way. We're reading in Genesis 11 and 12, guys that these things have stirred and started there. So when you're praying, would you pray fervently? Would you actually get on your knees? Would you actually call out to the heavens? Because what's going on here is an important thing. Let's also turn, let's turn to Genesis 24, since we're in Genesis. Genesis 24. And let's look at verse 10. Genesis 24, 10, and it says this. This is the story of Isaac and Rebekah. It's one of my favorite stories, especially every time I think about doing a wedding. This is, this is a story that pops into my mind immediately. They're connected in my mind and in my heart. I, uh, Genesis 24, verse 10. Then the servant took ten of his camels, master's camels, and left, taking with him all kinds of good things from his master. He set out for Aram Naharam. This is a region. I'll tell you the region here in a second. And made his way to the town of Nahor. The town of Nahor by most Bible scholars, including Easton's Bible Dictionary, the town of Nahor is Haran. We're talking about this region again, the exact same place where it's located today. He had the camels kneel down near the well outside the town. It was toward evening, the time the women go out to draw the water. As you guys know this story, the servant of the master goes and finds... Uh, uh, finds Rebecca for Isaac. Finds her because of her servant-like attitude. She comes and waters not only the men that were there, but also the camels. We see this beautiful spirit that's in her in Haran. We see uh, Laban come out and as an uncle come out with, the, with Rebecca's father and begin to interact with them. So Isaac gets his wife from Haran. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 28. Did you guys know this beforehand? No. Yeah, I, I didn't either before, just a few days ago. Genesis 28, let's look at verse 10. So we have Abraham that lives in Haran and moves from Haran at 75 years old to do what the Lord told him to do. We have Isaac that is sent, his wife comes from Haran in the area of Nahor and Laban. And then we get to Jacob, so our, our, the founding forefathers of the faith. Jacob in verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. 
When he reached a certain place, this is what Pastor Eric was mentioning at the beginning of the sermon today. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set, taking one of the stones, and there we see what is now known as Jacob's Ladder in Bethel, where the house of God is. Um, Joy, can you put up um, the next slide for me? It should be a Beersheba to Haran. This is modern-day Beersheba, the place of the wells, the place of the... Uh, of the sevenfold covenant that they made here, that Abraham originally made down here in Be- Beersheba, all the way up to Haran. It says, I can't read it, it's a little blurry. Uh, is it, yeah, it's 13 hours, I can't read how many kilometers. So we're, uh, let's just say it's 1,000 kilometers at least, another 600 miles, right? It's interesting how these distances. I, I'm trying to put it in context for you. It would take you 14 hours to drive it today. How long would that take you with your whole livestock and, and, and having everything packed up on your back or on animals? Okay, it gives you a perspective of how far that these men are going. Let's look at Genesis 29. Genesis 29, verse 1. Then Jacob continued on his journey and came to the land of the eastern peoples. There he saw a well in the field with three flocks of sheep lying near it because the flocks were watered from that well. The stone over the mouth of the well was large. When all the flocks were gathered there, the shepherds would roll the stone away from the well's mouth and water the sheep. Then they would return the stone to its place over the mouth of the well. Jacob asked the shepherds, My brothers, where are you from? We're from Haran, they replied. He said to them, Do you know Laban, Nahor's grandson? Yes, yes, we know him, they said. Then Jacob asked it, Is he well? Yes, he is. And here comes his daughter Rachel with the sheep. Jacob finds his wife who comes from Haran. Isaac finds his wife who comes from Haran. Abraham and Sarah lived in Haran and came from there to God's place. I just wanted to take a minute. I realize this is not as much preaching as it is teaching for the moment. But I want you to understand what what our guys, uh, what our team is facing and what they're trying to do by getting here from all... (laughs) from here to Haran, from Gazi and Tep, where they are now, to get to Haran, they're trying to hear from the Lord to establish a base of operations in the nation of Turkey. Do you guys understand what we're really trying to do as a church? What we're trying to say, okay, guys, you've got a country. 80 million people in the country. We want you to go find the exact place that God is telling you to be. Ready? Go. Well, pastor, this is their third trip. Yes, it's their third trip in an entire country that they are now driving. They've driven probably more than 2,000 kilometers on this trip already. They have, they're not nearly halfway done with it. 1,200 miles already. <laughs> Missions is definitely not a vacation the way, when you do it our way, right? They're working. And at each stop, at each place that they're going, they're stopping and they're praying. But what are they trying to do? They're trying to hear from the Lord. They're trying to turn their ear to the heavens so that God will speak to them and lead them in a very, very specific way. Hey, if, if today depended on you hearing only from the heavens, you literally couldn't leave this place unless you heard from the heavens, how comfortable would you be to hear from Him? How, how, how sure would you be if you wanted to move your family? How sure could you be about these things? Because what we get in the habit of doing is allow, we allow other people to hear from the heavens, and, and we credit it to us. We have to turn our ear. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 24. I'm sorry. Before we turn to Exodus, let's turn to Numbers chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11. 
Y'all still with me? I didn't bore you with Haran, huh? Since we have people that we love and care about there, that should not be the most boring thing that we've ever done. That should allow our hearts to tie to what's going on and understand the import of what we're trying to do. The importance of what we are moving toward as a church is saying, this could be where Sam lives in a few months. This could be where AJ is going to grow up and learn a different language than she speaks now. This could be where Titus begins to conquer the universe from. Yeah, our hearts should be moved. Our hearts should be moved with these things as, as we are here together. In Numbers chapter 11 and verse 1, it says this. Now the people complained about their hardships. Everybody say complained. complained. Yeah, that's a terrible word, isn't it? But if we're not careful, we all do it. Now the people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord. And when he heard them, his anger was aroused. We mentioned this briefly on Wednesday night. I wanted to come back to it because it's been playing in my mind since then. The words there for it, they complained in the hearing of the Lord. It, the words there are with an evil ear, they complained. With an evil ear. With, with, they had turned their hearts towards something else. They had turned their understanding, their attention towards something, and it caused them to complain, and that caused the Lord to flare His nostrils at them in anger. These are the words that are under here in the, in the Hebrew language. I want you to turn to Exodus 24 now, and let's see what this has to do with us today. Exodus 24 and verse 7. 24-7, reaching out to the Lord. This is a, an easy way for us to remember this verse. This is a, a beautiful verse in Exodus, because it's 24-7. Then he took the book of the covenant... And he read it to the people. They responded, we will do everything the Lord has said we will obey. This is the kind of attitude when you're actually pursuing the Lord 24-7. This is how you answer. But I want to I look at this just a little bit deeper. Then Moses, then he took the book of the covenant. And the words here are that he read it in their ear. He was speaking it to them in a way. This, this beautiful language that, that Hebrew is, he, he started to do it and it was much more picturesque than what he's saying. We say he read it to them. Yeah, but the idea, I'm going to probably mess up the camera guy, but it's all right. The idea is that he was reading it in a way to get their attention. <laughs> How easy it is, is it for people to get your attention? How easy is, is it for your kids to get your attention? Let's start there. Mom, 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 mommy, mom. You just tune it out. You just tune it I mean, I mean, not that I've ever tuned it out. Right? What does it take for your kids? How many times do your kids need to speak to you? Uh, parents, how many times does it take for your kids to listen to you? I'm going to count to three. Yeah, in our household, that just means our kids had two and a half. They could disobey me for two and a half until we got to it, Right? How long does it take? How, are, we, are we paying attention to what's coming in? There's obviously a difference between hearing and listening. Hearing is the process by which sound waves travel through whatever medium into your ears and you can hear what's going on. But are you listening? Uh, when, when it says that Moses read it in their ear, the idea was that he was saying it in a way and it started to get their attention. 
They've started to be moved by what was going on. And actually, not only does it say this here, it says that he spoke it into their ear so that they may shma, so that they may hear it, actually listen to it, and obey. They would hear and obey. Would you uh, put up um, the next slide? It should be H241. The word here is ozen. Everybody say ozen. I'm sure that's a very Texas way to say it. I apologize. It means a broadness. Trying to, trying to broaden what you're doing. The ear. A very direct term for the ear. Uh, actually, let's go ahead and show one more slide. I want to show this. This comes from the word... Wow, that's way too small for you to read. So just don't even worry about it. You can just trust me. <laughs> the word that it comes from is the word azan. Interesting how Arabic and Hebrew have words. The azan. Since you can't read it, it says this. Probably to expand, but used only as a denominative form to broaden out the ear. Everybody do like this for me. Broaden out your ear. Wait, what did you say? I'm sorry, in my good ear now? The word that we're talking about for ear, the idea is that we're, uh, we start going, hey, l- let me, wait, what did you say? There's so much noise in our society. There's so many things going on. From Charlottesville to, um, um, to Russia to Iran to North Korea. Oh my gosh! To whatever's happening in your life. There's so many things that are going on that it becomes hard to actually listen. It becomes hard to listen and turn our ear to what the Lord is saying. But how well are we doing today on turning our ear and actually paying attention to what the Lord is saying? I want to remind everybody in the room of what the Lord began to speak to us last Monday night. What the Lord began to speak through prophecies, through encouragement, through words that were there, was we need to listen to what He said and we need to return to what He first said to us. We are not listening if we begin to add things to what He says. If you have a place in your life and God has spoken to you about something and you then begin to add details because, I mean, goodness knows that God needs your help, right? God needs my help to be able to go ahead and fill in the details. And you start adding to what He has said, you have not turned your ear to Him. You have begun to turn your ear away from the Lord. And what we're trying to talk about today in a very simplistic kind of way is you have to turn your ear back to the Lord. We have to be praying for our team there because they are, they are requesting it from the heavens. Lord, we have our ears turned turn to you. We've broadened our ears. We're listening. But we need to hear you speak because we can't make this up. In Turkey, you don't get just a visa to enter the country randomly. You have to get a specific place that says, we are here and this is where we're going and now we need permission to come in and be in your country. It makes all the difference in the world to hear from the Lord. It's nice when we can look at the Turkey team and say, it matters for them to hear from the Lord. Be very, very specific. But there are people here in this room today that we're not being as specific with our listening as what the Lord is speaking to us. He's speaking to us very directly. He's saying certain things to us. And what we're doing is we we start off, but our attention is very ADD. We're easily distracted. We're easily pulled aside. Yeah, okay, I know that the Lord was speaking to me, but I'm just not, you know, I just haven't paid that much attention to it. While All the while, while we're saying that His Word is the most important thing to us. That we've got to have Him speak in our life. How well are you doing listening to what He's already told you to do? How well exactly are you carrying out His words? 
What if you thought that your life depended on it? Would that cause you to change your walk with the Lord? If you knew that today, if you didn't hear from the Lord rightly and do exactly what He said, you would get arrested. You would get thrown in jail. You would get accosted somehow. You would get harmed physically. Would you walk differently with the Lord? Why don't you think you're in that much peril? I think we are in that much peril. I think the Lord, it matters to the Lord that we, that we live just the way that our friends in, in Turkey are going to have to live. Just the way that, our, that our, our families in Indonesia are going to have to live. Just the way that we're expecting the Brassos to live in Peru. Why is it just them? Well, we know the answer. It's not just them. It has to be us. Let's turn to Judges chapter 7. Judges chapter 7 and verse 3. Turn your ear to what the Lord is saying. Judges chapter 7 and verse 3. It says this. Uh, Let's go back to verse 2 to put it a little bit better in context. The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men for me to deliver Midian into their hands. Yeah, the thing that we always love to hear, right? You have too much. You are relying on yourself too much. Ugh! in order that Israel may not boast against me that her own strength has saved her. Announce now to the people. Announce now to the people. Anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. And we know that 22,000 people turn and leave. What the words say there is not announce to the people, but it says, say to their ears that if they're fearful, that they can go. Let's look at Psalm 17. Quickly turn with me to Psalm 17. And let's look at verse 6. Psalm 17, 6. I call on you, O God, for you will answer me. Give ear to me. (laughs) Give ear to me. What does that mean? The The literal translation is, turn your ear towards me, Lord. Out of all the things that are going on, will you turn your ear to me? You know what? This What is this symbolizing? It's symbolizing as human beings we don't have... Ears that can just... Well, maybe some of you can. Maybe some of you can cause your ears to dance, right? And move. We do not have ears that we can just change the direction. What is he saying? Lord, I need you to turn your ear to me. Why? Because if you're turning your ear toward me, you're turning your focus on me. Lord, out of all the things that are going on in this universe, I know there's a lot going on, but Lord, I need you. I'm calling on you right now, Lord, and we need you to turn your attention, turn your ear, turn your face towards us, Lord. I I need you to hear what's going on. When Olivia was young, I'd come in and and I was busy, and every once in a while, she would just grab my giant head in her little hands, and she'd just talk to me like this. It was cute. And it was a little bit, uh, it stung just a little bit. Because it meant that I must not have been paying fully attention to her. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, that's good. That's good, sweetie. Yep. Yep. Dolls are wonderful. Yep. Okay. Daddy, I want to talk to you. Yeah, that's exactly how we should be with our father. That's exactly what he's trying to do to us. Would you just look at me? Would you just give me a minute so that I can speak to you rightly? What is that worth? 
Why do we think that we need all the other things that we do? If the Lord speaks to you something, it changes everything. Two hours, one hour in Pigeon Forge gives the Stevens Isaiah 49. You know why? Because the Lord began to speak to them and they gave Him the place to do it. What will the next few minutes in this time and this service that we have together? What can the next few minutes do to you if you allow the Lord to just grab you gently around the face and say, I need you to listen to me. I need you to pay attention to what I'm saying to you. Because I'm a good God, I'm going to remind you of what I've already spoken to you. And I'm going to give you direction for your life. What did we hear during prophecies this morning? If you're not sure about your calling, if you're not sure about your direction, the passage that Ibrahim read started off with, Listen to me, my daughter. Ibrahim gave a good word after that to say, hey, let's, let's look after him. What are we doing? We're trying to turn our senses to who he is so that he will speak to us. That is what separates us from everyone else, friends. The fact that he will speak to us through words of prophecy, through his scripture, through your friends, through times of prayer. The fact that God actually speaks to this group. I don't know why he does it. <laughs> Perhaps it's because we're trying to turn our ear towards him. And he responds to that. How well are you doing hearing from the Lord? What about your job? What about your family? What about your, your home? What about your health? What, about, what are you listening to? When I study the Word, I can't have tons of music with words playing. I, I can't study because it, it, my brain can't do it. I can't really sleep at night with tons of music on. I, because I was a music teacher for long enough... Music makes me more engaged. So if I sleep and there's music on and it's got words to it, I'm like wrestling all night with trying to pay attention to it. I get up like every 30 minutes when I, when I have music on. I have to just have it, I have to have something else. I have to something that drowns out other sounds because I pay attention to it. Are you ADD and you're listening to the Lord? Are you easily distracted by anything that goes on? When was the last time you just sat down and you were quiet before the Lord and said, Lord, speak to me. We need to be able to turn our hearts and our ears towards the Lord today. Psalm 17.6 says this. Let's look at Proverbs. We're going to read through quite a few verses in Proverbs just because I love it. And I hope you love it too. Proverbs 15.31 Sometimes our NIV does a really good job of translating and other times it takes away because it's trying to give you the thought behind the words. It actually takes away a little bit of the uniqueness of what we're looking at. All of these have something to do with literally our ear, whether it says the word ear or not. Proverbs 15, 31, it says this, He who listens to a life-giving rebuke will be at home among the wise. He who has an ear that shmaz the Lord, is what this says, to a life-giving rebuke will be at home among the wise. How many of you want to be at home among the wise? Then you better get used to listening, not just hearing, but listening to a life-giving rebuke. He will be at home among the wise. He who ignores discipline despises himself, but whoever heeds or listens to correction gains understanding. The fear of the Lord teaches a man wisdom, and humility comes before honor. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 12. Chapter 20 and verse 12. 
Listen to this. Ears that hear and eyes that see, the Lord has made them both. And if you think that he's just talking about the physiological part of this, you're missing the heart of this. Ears that shma and eyes that understand. Eyes that see, the Lord has made them both. Let's look at chapter 22. Just some rapid fire verses here. Verse 17. Pay attention and listen to the sayings of the wise. Apply your heart to what I teach. The phrase pay attention there means bow down your ear. Pay attention. You put your ear up close to it. Put, put, put your hand around your ear so you're making sure that you listen. <laughs> A little kid who starts to speak and it's too noisy and you got to do, wait, wait, what'd you say, babe? Pay attention. <laughs> the friend that you have that doesn't speak loud enough. Wait, I can, you got you to say that again. Yeah, w- sometimes we need to ask the Lord, hey, would you just say that again? I have learned being married to my beautiful wife for 20 plus years now. There are some times when I just don't pay attention. And so I'm like, hey, babe, I just need you to say that again. I checked out about 45 seconds ago. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I did it. I wasn't thinking. I checked out. Can you, I just need you to say it again. Because you were talking to me and I, I want to be, I should have paid more attention. Have you ever done that with the Lord? Yeah, Lord, I know you've been trying to speak, but it's kind of taken me a while. And uh, could, you, could you just say it again? Because I got distracted. Could you, could you just tell me again? Because I don't remember exactly. I should. You're the Lord of all creation. How could I have ever not paid attention? And the truth is, is I didn't. I added to your word, and I just need you to just say it again for me. I just do that a lot, even in my everyday life. I just, just say it again. Don't explain it. Don't add it. Just say it exactly the way you said it again so I can get it down in me. This is what the Lord is trying to do to us as a church. Have you heard the last few sermons from... Uh, Treaster's sermon a few weeks ago about insufficient funds. Are y'all, st- man, if, you, if you've forgotten what's in that, you need to go back and listen again. Let's not get spoiled because we have such good teaching at this church Amen. that we hear something and we immediately put it aside looking for the next thing. I'm going to guess that the Lord wanted you to hear something and put something into practice in your life. When you have the holy mixture that Pastor Eric spoke on. God, what an incredible service. We were in Agos Calientes. I went and listened to it a couple of times. I was like, golly, that's so good. That holy mixture. There was one that I couldn't listen to, and I feel, I feel at a loss because it was a, a missing recording on a Sunday. I'm like, ah, y'all got something I didn't. That's not fair. I wanted to hear it. Are you treating the words like that? Are you treating what the Lord is speaking into your life like this? Proverbs 25, verse 12. Proverbs 25, 12. (laughs) Like an earring of gold or an ornament of fine gold is a wise man's rebuke to an obedient ear, to a listening ear. It's it's something beautiful when you actually hear what the Lord is saying. Turn to chapter 28, verse 9. Chapter 28, verse 9. If anyone turns a deaf ear to the law to God's ways, to His instructions. Even His prayers are detestable. Does it matter what you're listening to? Yeah, I think it sure does. Let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3. 
Let's look at verse 11. This is the Lord calling out to Samuel as a boy. And this is what the Lord says to Samuel. Samuel, Samuel, here I am, Eli. No, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Right? This is what the Lord says to Samuel. See, I'm about to do something to I- in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears of it tingle. You ever heard something that just made you shudder? That made you quiver in what you were going like a quivering lip? You just went... Now, is it just the ear that's tingling? No, it causes something in your whole body, but the idea is, look, it's going to cause your ears to tingle when you realize what I'm about to do and bring the judgment on the people that I am. Golly, Lord. He spoke that message to a boy. What is he trying to speak to us today? 2 Kings chapter 19. 2 Kings 19. Verse 9. Now, Sennacherib received a report that Tirhaka, the Cushite, king of Egypt, was marching out to fight against him. So he again sent messengers to Hezekiah with this word. Say to Hezekiah, king of Judah, do not let the God you depend on deceive you when he says Jerusalem will not be handed over to the king of Assyria. These are some pretty bold words from Sennacherib. Right, you can go through history and you can find people who had a very, very uh, anti-Christ kind of spirit on them. And Sennacherib was one of them. Or Sennacherib or whatever you want to say his name. Sennacherib had the boldness and the audacity to come and just defile God's people and defile them with his own words and exalt himself. This is what he's doing here in verse 11. Surely you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the countries, destroying them completely. And will you be delivered? Did the gods of the nations that were destroyed by my forefathers deliver them? The gods of Gozen, Haran, Respa, and the people of Eden who were in Tel Asar? Where is the king of Hamath, the king of Arpad, the king of the city of Sarevayim, or Hena, or Iva? He's just listing his conquests. Did their gods help him? Oh, by the way, did the god of Haran help against me? No, because I'm a bad dude. Hezekiah received the letters from the messengers and read it. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. Hey, Lord, are you seeing this? Are you seeing this? Are you seeing what's going on, Lord? Are you listening to the accusations that this man is throwing? And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, O Lord God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. He's trying to remind himself of the God that he's praying to, right? Hey, 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 you're the one. Give ear, O Lord. Give ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Listen to the words of Sennacherib that he sent to insult the living God. Lord, we want you to listen to what's going on to us. Lord, we need you to listen to us. We need you, God. We are in trouble. We need you. Are you listening, God? Are you looking at us? Because we need you right now. We're about to die. Well, we sure do want the Lord to listen to us, don't we? When, he, when we cry out, we expect Him to listen. How well do we do in response? Is our desire equally as potent to ask the Lord to bow down His ear to us? Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. Verse 1. 
In verse 10. Uh, Let's go to verse 9. Sorry about that. He said, go and tell this people, be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull. Everybody say dull. Dull. When I was a band director, we had had a, a praise team that we did. Student musicians, and we made a, a, a CD back when you actually used to make CDs, right? Now you just buy the MP3. Nobody actually has the disc anymore, just like the records or eight tracks or whatever else, that, whatever generation that you happen to come from. We made CDs of the kids. And to save money, because we were just band directors, we recorded everything, we produced everything, uh, we packaged everything, we sent it off, and they actually put everything on the CD and then gave it back to us. But everything else was us. Thus, the super great quality of, of the CD because we did it all from start to finish, right? Some of y'all have some that that's embarrassing. That's embarrassing to me, but it's okay. I, st- I stand by the product of having 15-year-olds playing drums for you. I mean, I'm just, we're just going to stand by it, right? Um, we, when we were producing it, we were listening to track after track. So if a song was three minutes long, we realized that it took us an hour because we were slow at it an hour for every minute of music. So if there was a minute of music, it took us an hour to do what we needed to do to it, listen and listen and listen, and oh, that's not quite right, and that's a little bit too loud, and that's too soft, and oop, that just needs to be muted, and you know, on and on we go. Took us, so we had a 60-minute CD, so it took us 60 hours of work to do. But what we would get to is we'd realize that we would have, we were listening to things, and I can't explain to you, it wasn't uh, our ears that quit working. It was our being able to process what we were listening to. We'd get to a point and we're like, yeah, my ears are tired. That's the way that we would say it. We're like, my ears are tired. I got to go take a break. I got to take the headphones off. I just got to walk around for a little while. Let's go get a Starbucks drink. Let's go do something because I can't listen to anything else. <laughs> so much so, the truth is, is after we made the CD, I don't think I ever listened to the CD again. Never. Because I was like, yeah, you don't understand how sick I am of hearing. Like, I know every single person. I know every flaw of every song. Like, I can't even enjoy it, right? It's like, I should have, we should have just sent it off and had somebody else do it. Because I know every micro little thing that went wrong. My ears became dull just because it was flooded with things the whole time. Guys, this is such a simple word. I, I understand. This is a simple word. How's your hearing today? Have your ears become dull? Are you just hearing enough stuff that you're like, yeah, it's all good. There's not a whole lot of direction. You know how that I know that some of our hearing is dull? Because we as pastors watch what you do. And we're like, yeah, you say that you know what the Lord is doing in your life and you say that you know the direction that you have and then we watch you and we're like, what are you doing? Why did you add that? Why are you not doing exactly what God said? You're begging God to speak to you about this. You haven't done the first thing that He said to you. They're related. You want him to keep telling you stuff. Why? You've got dull ears. Maybe we need to get up from where we are and get away from some of those things and go, okay, God. Speak. 
speak to me, remind me of exactly what you said. This is the word of the Lord for our church. This is what he said on Monday night. This is where we were going on Wednesday night. This is what the prophecies this morning were. So I can't help but go ahead and go, and I know it's simple, but if you hear simple things and you can't put them into practice, then how simple are they really? Is, is it really that simple for you? If you're not doing it, then it's, it can't be as simple as what you think. Just because you can quickly intellectualize what I'm saying, how well are you putting it into practice? That's the only thing that I really care about. Are you putting into practice what the Lord is speaking to you? The direction for your life, whether it's hard, whether it's easy, whether it's impossible, whether you like it, it doesn't matter. Are you doing what the Lord has told you to do? We're in Isaiah 6. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 30, please. Isaiah 30. All of these verses have had the word ozen in it, and they've also had the word shema in it. That you will listen with the purpose of obeying exactly what's said to you. Isaiah 30. Listen to this, and I have to be honest with you. I've been quoting this passage, this scripture wrong in my head. Isaiah 30 and verse 21. It says this, Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you. I, I've been quoting it in my mind because I've gotten away. I didn't, I didn't actually read it well enough. I said, whether you turn to the right or the left, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. That's the way that I've been quoting it in my head. And I realized when I got to here this morning, I went, oh, my ears were here. Yes, that's me. I understand but in the idea of this Shema and me listening rightly, it's not just that there will be um, vibrations of sound moving towards my ears. It means that I've turned my heart. What was the word? That we've got to turn towards what the Lord is doing. We've got to, we've got to turn our ear towards Him. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, Hey, this is the way. Walk in it. Hey, you need to know what's going on in your life? You want to know the direction for your family? Do you want to know the next step for you? There's people here who's got some next steps that are set out before them. They're worried about what the next step, what the next season, what the next thing that they're supposed to do. We're getting a little antsy about where we are and we want to know where we're going to go. Whether you turn to the right or the left, you're going to be able to hear the voice of the Lord so you can't move until you hear. If you're trying to move without hearing from the Lord, then you don't understand the concept that I'm speaking to you today about. I love Pastor Eric. I love Pastor Matt. I love Elder Charlie and Bob. I love the men in this church that I get to lead with. You know what I've learned from these men? What do you want us to do? We can't move until God speaks to us. You want us to tell you about all of the mission trips we're going to, tell next, we're going to do next year so that you can make your plans? Yeah, we can't because the Lord hasn't spoken to us all about them yet. You want us to, to derive when the next thing that we're going to do? Yeah, as soon as God speaks to us, we're going to tell you. If you wanted just to, us to just start making stuff up, yeah, we can do that, but we don't want to. We actually are trying to hear his voice. And the, the problem may be with me. I may not be able to hear him clearly, but I'm at least seeking after him, and I know that if I turn my ear towards him, he will speak to me. Whether I turn to the right or the left, I know that he's going to give me the right way to walk in. So you just have to trust us. You just have to trust what's going on here at the church. How about your life? Are you willing to just go ahead and fill in details? Are you willing to go ahead and decide the next one because why? Because a, a decision has to be made. Really? If he doesn't speak, what are you going to do? You have to wait and you have to inquire of him. 
so that he may speak to you and rightly lead you. Turn to Matthew chapter 10. Just a few more scriptures here. Matthew chapter 10. When we're listening rightly to the Lord, Matthew 10, 27 helps us to understand exactly what we can do with this. Now, the beginning of Matthew 10 is, is understanding a, a man of peace principle. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. And then all the way down in 27, we have this. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one. Everybody say the one. one. With a capital O there. The one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your Father. You know why we don't always listen for the Lord? It's because we don't understand this principle. We get nervous because we don't know what's going on. And instead of waiting on Him, we decide that He just must not care about us enough. So we're going to step in and, and act. Not one of these sparrows will fall to the ground apart from the will of your Father. And even the very hairs on your, of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, don't be afraid. Come on, turn to the one you didn't want to talk to. Say, so don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Thank you, Lord, for that appraisal of my life. What he's saying is if I know about the sparrows, I definitely know about you. Why don't you just wait a minute? Why don't you just listen to me? Why don't you turn your ear? Think about John 18. For time, I'm just going to reference it. John 18 is where we see the story of Peter cutting off Malchus' ear. <laughs> yeah, we understand that that was to defile and to denigrate him as the potential of being a high priest. But what did Jesus do? He fixed his ear. There are people in here who need, we need to have our ears fixed today. They might as well be detached because they're not working. We're not using them. We need, we need Jesus Christ to come into us today and actually touch our hearing. That He will put us rightly in what we are supposed to be hearing. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's start reading in verse 6. Are you there? We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom. Everybody say secret wisdom. Secret. What do you do with secrets? You gotta, you gotta whisper. You tell them. <laughs> yeah, that was the answer on something. That's a secret. <laughs> what are you doing? I tricked you. How, how does the Lord speak to us His secret wisdom? He might be whispering to you. He might make you draw in to say, wait, now what? Wait, what about, what about your word? Golly, that's incredible. I want to go tell it. Yeah, that's, that's, part of the, that's part of the issue. Sometimes we think that volume is the only way to get through to people. The louder we are, the better it is. If you're a parent and you've never looked at a child in the middle of a store or church service, sit down. Teeth clenched, whispery, and seeing the fear that is struck in your kids' hearts. Yeah, sometimes a whisper can be very, very intense. As a school teacher, I used to do that all the time. 
I mean, I was a band director, so there was a lot of noise going on. And so I would just get quieter and quieter and quieter and quieter. And I'd be talking so softly. I would just see how low volume that I could speak to the kids because they were like, what? Yeah, that's what I was trying to do. That's exactly what I was trying to do. Now that we're all together, let's move forward. Sometimes the Lord is just whispering to us, not because he doesn't care to give us the answer, but because we're too noisy. And he's trying to just get us to draw close so that we can understand what he's saying to us. Just whisper it to me, Lord. Because when you whisper it to me, Matthew 10 tells me, then I can shout it from the rooftop. Okay. Now we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. Would you please finish the verse or read the next verse? Thank you so much for quoting that to me. I grew up in churches where they quoted that. And what, it, was a, it was a sweet-hearted attempt to say God is so incredible. I mean, He's just incredible. No eye has seen and no ear has heard. Amen. I understand what you're saying. But look at the next verse. But God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. You're right. No eye has seen and no ear has heard. Except that He wants to now reveal it to us and give it to our eyes and give it to our ears. This is exactly what He wants to do. So all that before is just to show you that He is now going to give it to you through the Spirit. What do you need to get through the Spirit? Do you go around with it? Well, no eye has seen. I guess there's some things we just can't know. Go after it. Lord, do you need to whisper it? I'll stand back. If you want to yell it to me and we're far off, you do that too. But I'm going to press in to hear what you're saying. Turn to Revelation chapter 2 as we close. I'm just going to pick one verse. There's plenty that we could do. Revelation chapter 2, verse 7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. If you make that only about the physiological part, that's a little weird. If you have an ear, yeah, if you have a heart that is inclined to shma what he is saying, you need to hear this part that he's about to tell you. He's getting your attention. It's a, it's a way to get our attention to what he's doing. Are you listening to the Lord today? Have your ears become dull? It's an amazing thing in Exodus chapter 21. What happened is uh, you could be a servant. and the, the, the Bible is very clear on how you should treat a servant. You can't do certain things because it was reminding the people of Israel that they were once enslaved in Egypt. So it mattered to them. So after six years, you had to let the guy, the person go in the seventh year of serving you, of being a servant to you, being a slave to you. But if that person wanted to say and decided, you know what? Golly, your family is so incredible. You guys know this. They would take the person to a door and they would put an awl and they would punch a hole in their ear. They would mark their ear to say, I am choosing to do this for life. I'm choosing, I'm a willing servant. I'm a willing slave for you because I love your family. I love what your family does for my family. I want to stay in your presence and in your house for the rest of my life. Would you please mark my ear? 
in a permanent way. Guys, today we need to have our ears marked. I don't care how long you've been in this house. I don't care how short you've been in this house. You need to have your ears marked. I need to have my ears marked in God's very presence. Would you stand with me today?